0: Welcome to 80's Music Exposed The podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80's One month at a time We will break them down, give you the skinny And duke it out over whether or not you should dig these out again So, if you're ready for an 80's music deep dive From Aha to Wham Bowie to XTC Madonna Hair Metal New Wave and all points in between. Then crank the boom box. Turn your walkman up to ten. And let's go. Welcome to 80s Music Exposed. This is Henry. <laughs> and I'm Chris. And I'm
1: Megan. And
0: this is our 1982 all-end of year
2: episode. feel like this is our this is our grammys this is our like this is our big end of the year we didn't really have a red carpet but no i have i can't even get the camera to work on the fucking zoom meeting so we're <laughs> <laughs> so fucked. <funny>, right? <sighs> That's what you get for wait. But I'm excited. I love this. Is my favorite episode we do every year. I have had notes ready for this for three weeks. Yeah, I'm really excited to the
0: point where you know, like every time we go and we every year for the third year, quote unquote year now. We mm-hmm. we do greatest misses, and I've switched my greatest miss three times.
2: Oh wow! So you are jacked up for this. Jeez.
0: Well, kind of, just because you've given me three other weeks to look at other records that came out in eighties. You're like, oh, that was a, that was the one. I want
2: to say I'm glad you guys dressed up, Henry. You look great in your tux. Megan, you. that evening gown is dazzling. It's, it's just a amazing. a Bruce Springsteen. It's a vintage Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Who shirt. are you wearing? Right. So. And if everybody at home wants to go grab their tuxedo and put that on, we'll wait for a minute if you want to just get in the mood for the awards, because this is the big one for the year 1982. So we're talking about music in, you know,
0: 1982, big pivotal year, MTV started to make a dent in pop music.
2: I think the albums, uh, the albums were great this year, too. So the
0: way we're going to do this, and we've always planned this, is everybody picked their top three records from 82. 82. Right. And we coordinated very little. I mean, just, and Chris, you can keep us honest here. We didn't duplicate,
2: right? No, like this is the first year. Of course, it's only our third year of doing this show, but usually we basically duplicate each other and we have to pick, like I told you guys to send me five mm-hmm. so sure. that I could give you, you know, if you duplicated someone else's pick, then uh, you'd get your next selection. We, I don't think we had any du- duplicates at all. It's
1: That's shocking to me. I it will. Is.
2: I will say that just looking
0: looking ahead, only a couple. The there are some that made my top five, but they didn't make the top three. So that was pretty interesting.
2: I also want yeah. to do a caveat. On my top three this year, I just went straight up. I'm just going to go with my three favorite. I'm not going to go with the three that you should like and not the three that are going to make me sound the coolest. (laughs) I went with my three favorites, and it turned out to be different. than. In actuality, when you sent me your list, I was like, that should be my, that that would be my, like, I'm a critic. That would be my list, but I went with what I like this time. And yeah. Megan, I, when we get to it, I am I am just shocked that we didn't overlap on one particular record. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: Yeah, I'm I am surprised to hear that. I thought mm-hmm. that this year actually, just because there are such big albums yeah. like by like pivotal kind of '80s bands, or at least bands that were around in the '70s going into the '80s.
2: But before we get to c- talking about these records, we got some housekeeping to do, Henry.
0: Oh yes. I need to thank our Patreon supporters. Yes. These guys have shown up. They have shown up. New supporter Jeff Bonds, Leanne Donnelly, thank you for helping us keep the lights on. Uh, it, it means a lot to us. Uh, it's, it was really great
2: to just to hear that you support our show. Little ditty now Jack
0: yeah. and There it is.
2: That's for our Patreon people. I will sing your name
0: <laughs> every time.
2: to the tune of Jack and Diane if we, you if you subscribe.
0: We have. It's a uh, classic. It is. It is. And I want to uh, mention Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Columbus. Our offer still stands. We're going to keep mentioning you as long as you keep showing up in the data. I'm going to bring up Columbus, Ohio. You guys
2: support well, our this show.
0: Is
1: really cool too. That's a really cool city.
2: So, contact us. Henry and I wouldn't know. We've never been there, but we'd love to come. We'd love to come do an episode there. Of course, socially distancing with masks and all that good stuff. But yeah, we wouldn't have to do
0: this Zoom call uh, for an episode. Yeah. We'd be able to do one together, which would be amazing. So, Columbus, find us on Twitter, email us. We'd love to mm-hmm. come see you.
2: Yes. And Jeff and Leanne, um, anytime, right. send us a line, tell us uh, your favorite. Uh, albums from 1982. We'd love to mention it. And any of the listeners, um, after listening to this, if you'd want to shoot us your favorites, we'd love to mention it. Um,
0: Definitely.
2: All right. So we're going to start. We'll kick it off. And since I wrote the script, I always get to start first. Uh, (laughs) That sounds terrible. So I did these in inverse order, I hope. This is my third favorite record from 1982. And it was by Men at Work. It was called Cargo. And the song we're going to play a little bit of is called Overkill.
3: sleep I think about the implications of diving into deep and possibly the complications especially at night I worry over situations I know it'll be alright perhaps it's just an imagination day after Show!
2: So like this is their follow-up record, right? And it turned out when we covered it that it was kind of mostly done pretty quickly right after they came off of the tour from the first one. So I I think when we covered it, we didn't really think the album itself was great. But I do distinctly remember, Megan, you saying you loved the song Overkill, right?
1: I love that song. I do, too. I do, too. Mm -hmm.
2: And I I actually like this album a lot. Again, I was going with stuff. I find myself putting this album on all the time. Just like when I'm scanning through my record collection, I'm like, I need something just light and happy to listen to while I'm like, you know, cooking or something. I just throw on. And so cargo. immediately, the first thing you think is "Day After Day." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to sing. Well, he has again, such a distinctive yeah.
1: voice.
2: He does, and I think it's a it's a really solid record. Um, again, I I go back and forth whether it's better than the the first album, their their debut album. I I don't think the album. Probably is, but I love that record too. So fuck it, I'm putting Cargo as third. <laughs> you like what you like. I man. like what I like. There's I'm no, not. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. To, I'm not gonna have to justify it. I just, I love this record.
1: Men at Work, they have like a pretty big following too. I feel like are a pretty like loyal fan base.
2: Yeah. So my third pick is Men at works Cargo. Excellent.
1: Don't be ashamed of uh, your
2: pick. No shame. No right, shame. No man. shame. Megan, give us your third favorite record of 1982. So,
1: my pick is Screaming for Vengeance. Uh, it's an album by Judas Priest, and the song we'll be playing is Screaming for Vengeance, the title track. Like I'm not big on metal, but this is such a good album and it's just so fun to like drive around to. I don't know. And it's like their I think it's their eighth album too, so like they definitely were established already
2: at this point. I was surprised how much I liked it because I I don't even think of it now as a metal record per se. Like it's a great metal record, but it's just like a good record. You know what I mean? It's not I feel like when you put a label like metal on it, some people like me are like, Ugh. I'm not gonna well, it's like
1: '80s metal, which right. is different.
0: But
2: I'm so not a metal guy
0: who who loved. love oh, I'm not I loved it. I have no idea why. I can't tell you what. Like the, it transcended the genre. I feel like it, I put, it, I put it kind
2: of in the same category with Back in Black, where I don't see that as a metal record. But they're yeah. both just great records. Ing-
0: I think I'm just ignorant. I think I was completely <laughs> ignorant of metal i could
2: have told you the agreement from, from without, that period of time you could have just asked
0: i mean think about it the last time it was um it was the record before it british steel oh we yeah british the, steel. oh remember but, that
2: Yeah, okay i just remember how much that title tickled you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a great name for an album it is yeah. but we, we we were we were really impressed with british steel henry i don't think the henry i that even I just, heard it i just didn't give it any yep I just
0: I had I was prejudiced against metal from the eighties.
2: Yeah, I this is a good record start to finish. And all the songs are like tight. Mm-hmm. Um there's like no filler, there's no like extra on this. If you if you're a fan of our show and you need an intro into metal, and especially eighties metal, this is a good one to and start it with. It wasn't that cornball. Like
0: a lot of times we used to accuse metal of being so just schlocky and hokey. Mm-hmm. This wasn't at all. No. I don't feel like um. it. No, I really—it's I really like played. ten
1: tracks too. So, like you said, it's really tight.
0: Yep. S- something about the passage of time has allowed me to con- consider it seriously. So, absolutely, good on you, Megan. That's a great record. Hell yeah! All right, Henry, number three for you. Okay, so my number three pick was Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska.
2: Hmm. Mm. That is a heavy fucking record. It
0: is, mm. and uh, the the track I'm going to play for folks is Atlantic City. It's probably one of the popular ones on this thing. so
3: Will they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state. And the Get no relief Gonna be a Rumble out on the Promenade and the Gambling commission's hanging on By the skin of its teeth Well now everything dies Baby that's a fact but Maybe everything that dies Someday comes back Put your makeup on fix your hair Pretty and make me a night in Atlantic City
0: Some folks that heard that probably remember the version from the band, which is the one that I knew. I didn't know it was Springsteen. I thought it was them. <laughs> you thought it was the band? I thought it was LaVon La- La- Helm and the Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, this but- is the only version I've ever heard. Oh, really?
2: Oh, well, we'll take a quick listen. This is the band's version of Atlantic City.
3: Well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. And they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight Gonna see what them racket boys can do Now there's trouble busting in from out of state And the D.A. can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble on the promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth everything dies baby that's a fact but maybe everything that dies someday he comes back put your makeup on fix your hair
0: You know, maybe part of the reason why I love it so much is because we did an entire episode. So I did nothing but look at every single song in minute detail, you know, and have a a more healthy, almost academic appreciation of the album that went beyond it. Plus, you know, I spent a large part of the 90s working in four track stuff. And recently I started digging out old four track work. So it's like. I really have an affinity for that sort of naked sort of authentic stuff. You
2: know, I think nice. I like too the the for him to make that choice because like my of course at that point experience with Springsteen and I don't mean this in a bad way but it's like the he was the epitome of the like big bloated I have a nine-piece band um American sound with saxophones and everything and then for him to go Nah, nah. These these are just best as four track demos. Like to have that ability to just say that and probably yeah. the record company was probably like, This is not a good idea. This is a very bad idea.
1: They wanted like another, in this case, I guess, born to run. Yeah,
2: they would want another born to run for
0: sure. It's like all that stuff that he would talk about when I was listening to like Born in the USA or one of his other sort of big E Street band records where he would talk about rock and roll being redemptive. I could see it finally in that this record, like there was room for me in this, right? Whereas before it didn't quite seem like that the car is rolling, everybody knows that the car is rolling. You know, that's the feeling that I get. A lot of these chords were like three chord simple songs, um, which reminds me of you know, punk rock three chords and the truth, right? Uh, and it's authentic, well written songs that don't they? you know in the, in the pod we always look like well here's the most adorned record that you could find and i'm going to talk about one of those today by the way guys like <laughs> a, a well adorned put together record and then the other one is just a, a piece of craft a piece of songwriting that doesn't even require that so it it's 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 um the beauty of both extremes in some way but this is the other extreme right yeah.
1: when people like doubt uh you know Bruce Springsteen or kind of view him Critically, it's like they don't take him seriously, I guess, as an artist because he is so commercial. Um, and he's been commercial for a long time, but like this album, like I mean, this just proves it's like he's one of the best American songwriters ever so far.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say right on top of that, Megan, I, this album when I was younger in the '90s had this mystique. I love these records that have this mystique, mm-hmm. and it was always like the cool kid would at school would be like, "Yeah, Bruce Springsteen's lame, but have you heard his cool record? Have you heard Nebraska?" Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, wait, I don't." what what's that one never even heard but it's like you know it's got this like top shelf kind of like backroom quality to it and it totally backs it up it's like his artistic i think it i think it like you said i think it bolstered his artistic cred by a lot well henry because you had to give your third pick last i'm gonna let you give pick number two first this is great
0: because i get to do that transition piece i was telling you i so we talked about springsteen and the stark uh, nakedness of it. The other side of that is my favorite re- an- another favorite record. Your second favorite my record. second favorite <laughs> record which is like not the opposite but certainly a different approach right a completely different. It's much different yeah, yeah. Uh, XTC's English Settlement. The song I'm gonna play which should have been a hit is "Senses is Working Overtime XTC is an excellent band on English settlement specifically. It, before this, the the Black Sea record was great. You know the songs are so sophisticated and they're well arranged. Holy shit! I didn't think they could top themselves. It was a it's the first record where somebody could show a wide range of musical styles and still seem authentic. You know, if you listen to REM records, they will sort of they pick a thing and kind of do that for that record. Right, and it sounds like that. XTC doesn't do that. They mine a bunch of different territory, but still seem to, to sound authentic and true to themselves. I can't think of another
2: band that really does does it that way, you know. And also, I, I kind of want to compare it, Henry, um, in the same way to Bruce Springsteen because if I remember correctly, when we covered this one, the record company wanted them to put out another like pop hit record, mm-hmm. you know, indie pop hit record, and they were like. No, we're going to just play like acoustic guitars and do like more of a pastoral type mm-hmm. album, which to me is like Bruce going to them and saying, no, I'm not doing another Born to Run. I'm doing Nebraska. So I, in a weird way, it kind of is the same same thing. But it it really works great. I love how every time we talk about XTC, you feel like you have to affirm how great they are. Like I'm you, like you the i you always having to
0: resell it to people. Mm-hmm. I'm, right? I feel I'm angry at... Probably myself and the world <laughs> for not making XTC one of the biggest bands there ever was.
1: That's not your responsibility. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I know. Enjoy the music. It's major guilt, but um, <laughs> it's like hearing one of the most influential bands of all time. You know, who influenced all the music that I cared about. You can clearly hear it. <laughs> it. It. I mean, there is like there's consi- there's thematic variations. You know, in the record. But they're all branches of the same tree. It's a grower. Like anybody who puts if you put this on for anybody on the planet, they will
2: find one song they love. Guaranteed. All right, Megan, what is your second favorite record of nineteen
1: eighty-two? Um, that would be Blue The Blue Mask by Lou Reed. And we're gonna play a part of women. favorite albums from 1982 and i would say it's probably one of my favorite lou reed albums too yeah, if not my I favorite mean, Megan, it's really if you'd good. asked me it's on really a
0: different good. day this could have easily made my top three too. that bass playing that guy does yeah and the I, guitar. Sliding all over in the guitar man and, yeah, it's just
1: a beautiful record i know and it's kind of a different side of him too i feel like he was kind of you know he's getting a little older like i think he was you know 40 at this point not that that's old but like compared to he had been around since the 60s so um it's kind of like he's just maturing i guess
2: you know it's 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 funny <laughs> because if you if you cue it up in the headphones that's the first thing i thought with the instrumentation which we talked about with this record but i was like holy shit, how did I not put this in my top three, too? So it, it, I had
0: to make a decision.
1: The second time you said that, Henry, and guess what? It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter,
2: yeah. You got him. Yeah, you make all the excuses you want, buddy. It did not make your top five, okay? okay. I'm sorry, Lou. It is a record, though, Megan, until we started doing this show, and um, I in 2020, I read his biography. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. It's one of those that I didn't know really well, and I, it's like it's turned out he has a lot more records than I. I guess being a VU guy, I did, I kind of didn't. Transformer, of course, I know and stuff. But so I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised by how great this one was because you know you can get to the point with some of these artists where you're like, it's by the '80s, he's not, he's done. Like, come yeah. on. But it was great. I thought it it was really good, really refreshing to hear. Uh, Do you guys remember the guitar
0: player's name on this? Yeah. There's Robert
1: Klein and and then on bass, Fernando Saunders. That guy.
0: Fernando Saunders Saunders is like a new
2: hero of mine. Um, Okay, so I'm going to Man, you guys are gonna tear me up after Lou Reed. Yeah, what
1: a transition! To the next one here. <laughs> right.
2: My second, I went with the ones I like to listen to a lot all the time. My second favorite record from 1982 is Rush Signals, and I like the song, and it's called Subdivisions.
1: <laughs> you don't have to be ashamed. <laughs>
0: Hey folks, I'm just going to interrupt for a second here. If you are a podcast junkie like I am, you've probably thought about starting your own podcast. Well, I can tell you firsthand that starting a podcast is one of the best decisions we've ever made, but it can feel a little overwhelming if you don't know how to get started. And that's why I was really glad to find Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way I've ever found to launch a professional, or in our case, a semi-amateur professional podcast, these folks have helped over a hundred thousand people launch their own podcast. They will get you onto every major podcasting platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and you can also get a great-looking podcast website. There are audio players that you can drop into other websites. My favorite part is the detailed analytics that show uh, how many of you are listening. We look at this all the time. That's how we know where you are and how many of you are there. There are also tools there to promote your episodes and so on. Buzzsprout publishes a new blog on all kinds of topics all the time, like equipment and formats and They have their own podcast episodes. There's also YouTube videos every week so that you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from the people that eat and drink and breathe it so you never feel like you're on your own. So to start your own podcast and to get a $20 Amazon gift card, go and grab the link that I've got in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. That also helps support our show. So remember, Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast.
2: Who doesn't listen to subdivisions at least once a month? Raise your hand.
1: I never do. Subdivisions. But I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just not my cup of tea.
2: Subdivisions. Conform or be cast out. You know, you've always had problems with his lyrics. You've always had problems with his lyrics.
0: Well... Are
1: you talking to... I hope you're talking to Henry. He's talking to me. He's
2: talking to me.
0: (laughs) I, I, I mean... Yeah, it's... See, I can't talk about the. I can't talk about Neil this way. He's no. rest, rest in peace, man. He's a legend.
2: He's a legend. Rest in, rest in peace, legendary, legendary band.
0: I, I like to slag on on Rush quite a bit.
2: Okay, look if you're so. if you're not cool, like you know Megan and Henry with all your cool picks and all your awesome cool albums, mm-hmm. and I you just like awesome rock. Rush. You want to listen to Rush subdivisions because yeah. It's just awesome. And you don't have to be ashamed anymore. You can play it out loud, and you can say, Chris from 80s Music Exposed likes Rush si- subdivisions and signals, and I'm not ashamed anymore. It's
0: endorsed. It's got his stamp on it. It's like it's the, yeah, the sticker imp- on the the oppression
1: flag. that you've had to deal with. How it's, how did you survive? <laughs> it's
2: over now. It's over now. You can come out. The oppressed. The oppression is the over. the oppressed Rush
1: fan. <laughs> I think Rush fi- fans are doing fine. I think Rush is doing fine. I think that this is all in your head.
0: Did Chris. you see any of the videos from this album? They were great.
2: I'm going to go ahead and give my number one pick because it's the best album of 1982 unequivocally. And you guys can suck it. <laughs> it's by, You're very
1: aggressive. I'm very aggressive. I
2: feel, defensive. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel the rush. Uh, hate. Off, so, off. off my number one album is by, uh, a little known artist by the name of Prince the album was called 1999 and this song you may not have heard it's a it's it's like a, it's a b-side track it's called little red corvette
3: I can't say we're living for me
2: Believe it You guys that heard that one? Of have you heard red. that one before? Little Red It's Corvette. like one
1: of my favorite Prince songs, that, I would the say. It's
2: a B-side track. It's a B-side track. <laughs> a little that little little known little known track from 1999 called Little Red Corvette, yeah. Little no, red this red. album I I think I can make an argument that even cool people think this is one of the greatest albums of 1982, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean did. I love this album. Me too. Could yeah. have done a whole uh, episode on this in on 1999.
2: Yeah, yeah, we could have, been, and we maybe should have. Great record, I think. I think it it gets hurt a little bit because of how many great records he puts out. It suffers from that. Oh yeah, but Purple Rain is coming. Purple Rain, right?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: it's a, it's like a. It, it's funny to even say this, but it's even more like a dance record to me than. Oh,
1: definitely.
2: Yeah, like most of his stuff, sexy apocalyptic album. You know? Right. Uh, it's it's Reagan, you know, all the Perfect. way through. And it, and it did turn out that it was kind of a concept record, which I didn't know until we did the episode on it. So that is kind of cool.
0: It's uh, there are all things that on the record about. He said what's wants to fuck the taste out of somebody's mouth if the whole world goes to hell around him. You know, all that stuff is in there, but it, but like you said, it suffers a little bit in perception because you know that Purple Rain's coming. If it could have stood, stood alone on its own as a masterpiece. And people would focus on that instead of purple.
2: Yeah, it's tough when like you're not the best album in the catalog of that of that artist. Yeah, like to be to stand alone. But it's it's a great album Um, when you're up to that level. It's it's great.
0: I remember talking about Prince as a prophet on this thing, and Prince as a salesman. To talk about it, in, you know, lined up with other records of that month was probably ridiculous, you know? I mean, obviously, he did the best one, so.
2: Okay, so that's um, that's my number one pick for 1982. Megan, what is your number one pick for the whole year?
1: Um, For me, it has to be Avalon by Roxy Music, and then we're going to play part of More Than This. I love this whole album. I just think it's so gorgeous. I think the production is great and it's just a very unique album. Like it's you don't hear anything like it today, but it doesn't sound overly dated. Like I think it's aged pretty well. That could be just my
0: perspective. Maybe it does sound kind of like cheesy, but I don't, I don't think it's, it, it sounds um, the, the sound quality on the record is superb.
2: Yeah, I was about mm-hmm. to say I agree with you. It sounds timeless. It's like mature pro- and timeless.
0: Yeah. And you could listen to it if, if you listen to it, it just uh it transcends the genre the year in which it was made to me.
2: I say this about records sometimes, but it's like it's one of those records where the productions like you can eat off of it. It's just like uh-huh. super everything you can hear everything so perfectly. And it doesn't to me, it doesn't sound of the eighties, but it does sound of the eighties. That's what I think is so great about Avalon. It's definitely an '80s record, but it like it's transcendent. It is, you know, Rhett Davies, mm-hmm. um, who produced the record. But yeah. yeah, the
1: production is wonderful. I mean, it's the fact that it was released in 1982 is kind of mind-boggling because we've listened to some stuff where it's like you can definitely tell um, it was recorded in
0: 1982, just because like it just didn't age very well. It's weird because it betrays what you you really know that it took some effort because it sounds effortless. It's it's so sophisticated, but restrained and subtle. You know, and it takes skill. You got to really be dialed in. You got to be on. You have to be a true artist (laughs) to be able to do music on that level without banging it too hard, and knowing how to play to your strengths in a very subtle way. Yeah, I think that.
2: As a person, as people that tried to do music in the '90s, like we tried, like the hardest thing you learn is that skill of so like t- yeah. a, a backing off, not overdoing, and making it sound just right with less. Right, it's like a skill, like you said, yeah, because you're always like you got people wanting to play like crazy all over the place and,
0: and egos all over the place, right?
2: And it's almost like and I and not to disparage it at all, I love the '70s canon of Roxy music. It's great. But this, mm-hmm. this album sounds like a band that's super mature and, like, knows exactly what they want to do. But even then, when we talked
0: about the record, we were like, does maturity always make you sound good? No, it doesn't. I no. think
1: in this case, it does. I it mean, I get right. where you're coming from, because I think sometimes maturity can make something yeah. sound kind of dated or, you know, just set in its ways, maybe. But this, I think that, like, this point in the 80s, like ABC and bands like that, like I know we listened to an ABC album, I think it was this year, but um, they wanted to be Roxy Music. Like I think that Roxy Music influenced like the new romantic kind of style and like in 82, that was like still a big thing.
2: All right, Henry, you get the
0: last say. So yeah, my favorite record of all of these is Kate Bush, The Dreaming.
1: I thought about putting this on mine
0: did also. It, is, was it in your top five too?
1: It was in my top five. This was yeah. in my
0: top five as well. I'm glad I got it. So
1: I knew that you were going to pick it probably you? as your favorite, so I just so I let, let you have, have it. it.
0: Thank you, guys. You're welcome. So, uh, Audience, we're going to play a song called There Goes a Tenor.
1: Okay, remember Okay, remember We have just allowed Half an hour To get into it And get out The sense of adventure Is changing to danger The signal has been given I go in The crime begins
0: Do I like it? Well, you're un- yet another reason why you might like an album. It's adventurous. It's boundary pushing. Right? It's obvious from the jump.
2: Um, yeah, it's probably her most difficult record. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, I I have this penchant for liking really strange sounding records. And this is like when I listen to it, I can hear her pushing the boundaries of vocals to like all four corners of the board. <laughs> you know, she can sound like Miss Piggy in 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 one song. And then toward the end of the record, she's shrieking like a donkey. I mean, Mm -hmm. and it works.
2: Amazingly, it works. And we beat it to death, but this is like the Fairlight keyboard experimentation record. Like, she's going all in on that thing. It's like she's saying, I
0: mean, she's doing then almost what we're saying now, which is you don't need musicians anymore. Mm -hmm. You really don't. All I need is this Fairlight piece of machinery. Right. You know? And we're doing something similar today. (laughs) Right. You know, we're saying, uh, screw it. I can do everything in a laptop. I don't need real musicians anymore.
1: It's kind of a bummer, but also it does make it more accessible, I guess. It's but got this
0: know. weird, this record has this weird kind of lo fi quality to it in the way that it's put together. Like, um, it's like this early sampler, you know, so this waltzy. Oh definitely. Um, very
1: uh, old sounding kind um, of music that even in the 80s people weren't really um yeah. like trying to sound
0: like like an old fashionedy vibe, you mm-hmm. know. That's kind of one of her things, I would say. But security was kind of the same way too. The sampling True. was a little it's about the the, the Peter Gabriel records right. security right. had this grainy sampling stuff about it too because it used the Fairlight. Um, right. Right um but yeah like that get out of my house song where she sounds like a donkey you know <laughs> it should not work right <laughs> but it does um and it's fun it's like the epitome of fearlessness
2: yeah and i would i would say if you have not heard kate bush before this might not be the best entry record Unless you are like a super experimental, yeah. adventurous person, but it is a great record. Like if you if you like Kate Bush or you find a record that you like by her, this one's going to blow your mind. There are times out where there. Mm-hmm.
0: there are times where I think the whole album is just about her her voice
2: and those fucking drums. Well, and I think part of it too, and we talked about this was that you know she was a pioneer in that there weren't a lot of women in music that were taking the reins the way she was with her own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the record. Um, I'm drawing a blank because I didn't bring my notes but the record before that she'd made that they wanted her to go to a different studio and do a different thing and she said I'll just build my own studio so you won't tell me what the fuck I can just do what I want to do. It's almost like the Fairlight was a gateway for her to be like, I don't need anybody to tell me anything. Like, if I do bring musicians in, it's who I choose, but I'll do everything else on this keyboard.
0: Right, and she was putting in 15-hour days. Right, it just freed her almost. Very
1: young, too. I
0: know. Right. And I think that's what amazes me so much about it, is because think about what the world looked like back then. Mm -hmm. Think about what the music business was like. It's even more of a swimming with a bunch of, Vipers,
2: right? You know, and the and the album you mentioned, Henry Security, too, is interesting because they were both friends. They kind of discovered the Fairlight from each other, but it, it's interesting to listen to two different people basically do the same thing. He locked himself away on a farm with his Fairlight and yeah. a drummer, and said, "No symbols. My only rule is no symbols." Right. Right. Now come up with something. And the guy was like, "I hadn't done anything with no symbols at that point. Like, who, who plays with those?" But it was like they both kind of locked themselves away with this keyboard thing and both came out with different records but you can hear the similar like yes i always am comparing the two back and forth all right we're going to go to the second segment which is uh i love this segment uh this is our missed gems of 1982 segment we're each going to give a a record that we think uh should have maybe got covered but didn't get covered wasn't i don't want to say good enough it wasn't something that we decided to cover as a group but each one of us kind of Liked on our own. My first one is by Lori Anderson. The album is called Big Science. And this song is Oh Superman.
3: Superman, oh John, oh mom and dad.
2: So, guys, every time I listen to this record, I feel like first of all, it, it had to have come out actually like two or three years ago. It sounds mm-hmm. like it was made on a computer in someone's bedroom. Like, it sounds like something that you would hear on Pitchfork. Yeah. But the, but she made it in 1982. Like, it is so, it predates, but it is so, like, forecasting where... Music was going with technology. I don't think she gets that. The could credit be a Billie
0: Eilish song.
2: <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, it's like she's. I just, I'm for, put,
0: I just put it in my thing. I've got it. I'm criminally ignorant of Laurie Anderson.
2: It's funny because I like I that we talked book. about it right after the Kate Bush record because it, it even doubles down. Like, if you really want to hear an experimental,
0: yeah, like, every, uh, yeah, like talk about music as theater.
2: Yeah. Right? <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny too because Laurie Anderson, who turned out in the end to be Lou Reed's. Partner uh, in life uh, later on Which is, there's all these connections Um, She would say She was kind of like Brian Eno At the time she would say I'm not a musician or a music artist I'm like a performance Or like I don't don't even sing Like I'm not a good singer Um, And this record to me Blows my mind Especially when you think of the technology at the time She really isn't a singer But she managed to do what she You know, to make a great record So um, it's got all this different like you can hear something different every time you listen to it. um I really enjoyed it. um, I guess I found it again another connection through Peter Gabriel because when his album yeah. so came out, he had her on it doing a song called Birds. They did a duet right,
0: that was her voice That's and right. at
2: the time, I don't know if you guys remember she had short, like spiky hair that kind of looked um together because there was always like a gender identity call
0: it, you don't call it androgyny do you yeah it was thank I, you It yeah. was an
2: androgynous That's kind it. of look so it was like really weird for me as a kid to see sure. this guy i love peter gabriel he's on mtv all the time and then it's like who is this lady with him and so then i kind of worked my way back to this record which is her debut album and i was like it's so funny because liz fair
0: just did a song about those two guys <laughs> oh really yeah about she wrote a song about lou reed and laurie anderson's relationship <laughs> oh wow like a pop song her newest song anyway But yeah, absolutely. I put that in my QLs to On The Way Home.
2: Cool. Megan, what is your um, Missed Gem of 1982? So for me, it is Stink
1: by The Replacements and the best song on the album, which this is, they're more punky stuff. So it's like kind of, you know, short songs. But this song, Go, is a gem. (laughs)
2: I love that one. That is such a good song.
1: Yeah, it's a really really good like I you can tell they're like kind of changing their music style a little bit because especially when you compare it to like Fuck School, which is also on this record, which is a fun song, but like I feel like Go is more you can tell they're kind of progressing. Yeah, cuz to me, that. I
2: almost felt like Go didn't fit wholly on this record and then where they were yeah. coming from before they're like this band's doing this song. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like and then it made me the same way. I was like, "Oh, I can't wait to hear what's coming next from these guys." So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a great great song. Great pick. People forget
0: about this Thanks. one. It's like it seems like it goes right from Sorry Ma straight to Hootenanny. People
2: forget about this one somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm, glad
1: yeah, it, record, really. I'm glad you mentioned Yeah, and it's a great record. Really. I like it better
2: than Sorry Ma. Yeah, Ma, my only like, my only criticism of it, I think what hurt it, I, I, maybe it's just me, is the title stink. I think, a yeah, lot of people well, that's are like, them
1: being
2: oh, the right. replacements. <laughs> oh, sure. I, mean, I think I think that might be why it got kind and of. And the like cover is over. just like a stamp.
0: Yeah. Bam. Right.
2: And, right.
0: and it's like the the cover says, The Replacement Stink, Kids Don't Follow, plus seven. So it looks like it's like
2: a. I always thought, though, Henry, I've always thought with thing this. Thing o- yeah. Movie. I've always thought with this album if they would just have called it, or if people would call it, because maybe they do, if people would call it The Replacement Stink. I think it would be, that's a better title than just Stink. It's kind of like, I think like, that's what they were going for. I though. do too. I do too. I always hated, like, I never would listen to it, and I probably would hate it anyway. I never would listen to Dookie in the 90s. Yep.
0: Because oh. I was yeah. just like, nah. What a shitty
2: record. <laughs> <laughs> what a shitty. Yeah. Oh. This is a great pick, though, Megan. I, I think I think it wasn't, I was shocked that it came out in 82. First of all, I'd forgotten that it came out in 82. I can't believe it Did we you didn't. think it was earlier or later? I, I always thought it was earlier. <laughs> um, but I can't wait we didn't cover it. All right, Henry, you get to bring up the uh, big finish with your Miss Jim of 1982, which I see on the script is different than the one that you told me you were going to pick. The one that I was
0: going to pick was going to be the D- a DB's record. Right. But mm-hmm. the bad, I could not appropriately do homework because the damn thing is not available to be streamed anywhere. Right. And by the way, not everything is available to be streaming. No. I cleaned out my CD uh, collection the other day, and I found a copy of a a little band called The Feelies, who did an album called Time for a Witness. And it's probably one of the first shows that Chris and I attended together, and I forgot that this guy probably influenced me as far as like playing guitar and what I look like and even the kind of fucking guitar I play (laughs) because of that. And I was like, this record ain't available anywhere. I better keep this. Anyway, so you can't get that. Um, it could have been that it could have been a DB's album. It could have been a Mark, It uh, could have been the dire straits record that came out mm-hmm. that year, which was, that is a great record, which was love over gold. And it has songs that are like 15 fucking minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about, you know, it could have been that it also could have been a Robin Hitchcock record that came out that,
2: and Megan, you yeah. notice how you and I didn't get to talk about all the records that we could have picked? but We, I didn't we pick picked one. We just picked one and talked about it. I didn't pick out the Robin Hitchcock record. I appreciate
1: record. the level of research so, that Henry did, though. But,
2: but, so what
0: I picked was a band that we reviewed last time. We were wowed by this record called um, Womp That Sucker. I <laughs> love <Don't pop> that <laughs> record title. They did another record this year called the in 82 that's called Angst in My Pants, which by the way is better than the last record. <laughs> if you can fucking believe it. So uh I, so without further ado, I'm gonna play a song called I Predict by Sparks off a record called Angst in My Pants.
3: You're gonna take a walking!
2: Make me laugh. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> That's and a the great problem song. This is, I usually
0: hate bands like this. Like the ones that do all the <laughs> jokes and shit. So if you go back and so right around this time, they did a guest spot on Saturday Night Live, circa 1982. It's the same episode. Danny DeVito was on it, right? It's had all these guys. If you go back and look, you can go on Peacock on SNL, they have all the old SNLs. They they cut out the performance. I looked all over of this. But um, it's the same one where Lawler and uh, Andy Kaufman are doing their thing. That same episode is the one they played on. But around about that time, they did get on American Bandstand. And the guy—I don't—are you both familiar with Sparks? Yes. So you yes. know I, I, the guy that um, the older guy with the—I uh, the think it's Ron pencil
2: mustache, Ron Mayle
0: I think is his name. Like they were so strange. Like uh, w- one of the. The Ron male guy is playing the keyboards and he's always making some kind of self referential joke, like all the time. <laughs> and he's looking at the camera, like, and not even bothering to play the song. He's just looking and staring. And so I can't believe these guys had a major label record and were just poking everybody the whole fucking time. Yes.
3: Welcome back once again, Russell. It's nice to see you. Ron, it's, it's always a thrill. I can read on his face. Why on earth would you record a Stevie Wonder song and not one of your own? What do
0: you mean? I, I You didn't I write that song? I don't know who this Steve Wonder is, but this is my song. Oh. This, guy, this guy is asking for trouble. <laughs>
2: what you, do you want, is he always like that? Well, I don't know. You know. Well, how long
0: have you been brothers? <laughs> we have very good lawyers that take care of matters like these.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. How do you stay ahead? It, it always says that Sparks knows what's going to happen before it happens. I
2: don't know. We just, we just keep doing music that excites us, and it seems like if it's really exciting to us, it's also going to reach people too. Is it exciting you, Ron? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, Sparks is like they were pretty influential too. Like I know that they are one of Martin Gore from Depeche Mode, like one of his
2: favorite bands. Yep. And by the way, they just they just put out a record this year. Yes. They're in their 70s. Dude is seventy years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just put a record mm-hmm. out. So. Anyway, good on them. And yeah. I this almost got by me. I almost didn't see that they did this album. So right. Cool. Well, guys, we're gonna do. We're gonna finish with our collective stinker for 1982, and it was easy this year again. Um, we were all pretty um, in agreement. We were all pretty sure that "Eye of the Tiger" by Survivor was the worst record that we covered.
0: Yeah, fuck this record. <laughs> oh, it sucked. It is weapons grade.
2: 80s garbage mess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I'm excited. The only reason I'm excited about it is I think I've decided at the end of our 80s journey, we're gonna we're gonna take the ten stinkers and put them in a tournament of shit and see who comes out as the largest stinking fucking record from the 1980s. It's like I, this one is a this one right now. There's a is, lot
1: to choose from.
2: I know, but this one I think it, I think Red Rider is what we chose last year. I think. Um, I'll have to look back and make sure, but this one, to me, is in the clubhouse with the lead. We're going to take the bull by the horns.
0: We're going to beat the foe. We're going to lasso the moon. Face to face, out in the heat.
2: Are you reading Survivor lyrics? <laughs> the so, and the re- the, they the, sound the worse is, without The me. truth
0: is, is that Stallone could not get... The song "Another One Bites the Dust." So he called somebody else on Scotty Records. Hey, do you have what? some? Do you have some hacks that could get me a song that kind of sounds like a? Maybe it would be "Another One Bites the Dust." And so he handed them a career, basically. Here well, you go. Sly.
2: First of all, if you want the hackiest of all the hacks, your brother Frank's not doing anything right now. But <laughs> oh no, wait—he's busy. He won't even do this shit. <laughs> but let me call Survivor. I think they—I don't think they have a gig yet. So they their 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 whole band was all what montages for the next. You know what I hate most about this is it's obvious that Sly Stallone has no respect for music at all, and yet this turned into be a huge hit. It was like he was right. It was like you know it's like yeah. music for people that hate music. It's like ah oh, I gotta pay for music. This sucks. I'm not gonna pay for Queen. Fuck that. Get me some shitty band that I can make. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a hit. It, Nobody cares about like music and like good or not. And he was fucking right. All so you had I ever to do was see
0: see that guy walking down the street with his little beret to the side. Oh, Remember those guys? He's still
2: wearing. I you, think. Look
0: them, you look at him. You look at. Truth is, if you look at the video, a bigger set of nerds didn't exist. <laughs> Planet Earth, yeah. you know. Yeah, they
2: Very were they cool. were even bigger nerds than Rush, weren't they, guys? Oh gosh,
1: just a different type of nerd, but yes. <laughs>
2: All right, there you have it. That is our, that's 1982 in a nutshell. We are, we are moving on, guys, to what I think might be the best year of the 80s, 1982. And, and we didn't even mention Haircut 100. No.
1: That's fine. We no. don't need to. That's
2: probably the, for the best. They probably didn't need mm-hmm. to be mentioned.
1: But Pelican West. They just wanted to be Roxy Music. But Pelican West
2: was. Uh... It didn't make it, Henry. It's not the greatest stinker. It's not even the best, worst record of 1982.
0: Lord, have mercy. Mm -mm. Well, there we did it. There we did it, guys. We did 1982. Woo! So we're moving on to 1983.
2: Why don't you get... Henry, why don't you read some of the plugs while I pull up a little teaser of what's coming from Sounds good.
0: You know, if you like the records we're choosing, please consider subscribing to the pod. You'll have our newest content downloaded to your device. You could review us on Apple Podcasts, other platforms like Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify... Uh, all those you're using uh, that you, uh, any podcast app that you're using, we should be on. You can chat us up or uh, ask us questions, even on Twitter at Eighties Exposed or email us at 80sMusicExposed at gmail.com. New feature, guys: we now have something called SpeakPipe, right? Which is a voice message service. So that anybody who I've has, never heard of this, yeah. So if you've got the the show notes, dig down into the show notes. There's a link that says SpeakPipe, and if you want to leave us a message, you hit that link. And it'll go to a little page where you just hit a button, and you can say you can cuss us out. You can say we suck. You can tell tell us we missed, tell us we miss something. You can tell us we missed something wrong. Do us a favor though, and introduce who you are just briefly. Just say you know I'm whoever. Listen to the show, or I listen to you guys. You suck. Or. Whatever. just uh, It's a quick and easy way to give us quick feedback. It doesn't require a whole lot, so you can hit us up there. You can always... I expect
1: that. Carla to leave us a voice
0: yeah. message. Yes, Carla, leave us a voice. Please. That's right. Uh, leave us a voice memo. You can hit us up on social media. My Twitter handle is at Hank G. Chris's Twitter handle is... Um, signals is a great record. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, at, I think. His Twitter handle is at TCI, dude. Oh,
2: that one. That one. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one.
1: <laughs> Not your uh, Rush superfan page. Right, right. Sorry. Megan, where mm-hmm. are you at on Instagram? Um, I'm at Bastards of Young 92 <laughs> because I have a Rush-like <laughs> level of love for the replacements like Chris. So There
0: it is. Not King uh-huh. Bush level of love though.
2: Mm.
1: Bush uh, level deep, of love deep. that sounded
2: really creepy. Yeah. Okay, let me uh, let me give us a, a few records from 1983 just to tease sure. for the folks that we're going to cover uh, for you guys too. I guess.
1: Oh uh, yeah.
2: Little Huey Lewis might pop oh, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just I'm just skimming here. There's going to be some violent films. A little band called Alabama.
0: Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> what? I got <missed> an Alabama <laughs> album. I did say There's Alabama snuck on here.
2: Yep, yep, yep. There's going to be some new edition, Little ZZ Top, uh, The Police, another XTC album. I know we guys we gotta we gotta cover that. Oh man, Henry, a band I know you love. That you were always hoping would make it on the show. Echo and the Bunnymen is going to make an appearance.
1: Oh, yeah. Yay! I love Echo and the
0: Bunnymen. Finally,
2: finally. Yep. And then. Um, of course, Stevie Ray Vaughan is going to make make an appearance. So,
0: well, thanks everyone for listening to our show, and uh, please uh, rate and review us, and pass it along to a friend. Guys, guess what? What's that? I made you a mixtape.